All right, welcome to this week's edition of the Podmore Get Better podcast, a golden tea podcast where uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things as it relates to golden tea strategy, golden tea courses. We just got done talking about the world championships over the last couple episodes. Uh, this episode, we're going to touch on a few things. The new courses, at least the names and a little bit of description was announced for the courses this week yeah, by exciting, Golden Tea. Exciting time of the year. Uh, we've got Will and I. You know, we talk. We're going to be talking about the classic course of the week that's going to be coming out starting t- uh, tonight at midnight. Uh, but also, you know, having listened listened back to our own podcast last week, I think we missed on a couple things. One was I think it makes sense for us to talk about the clubs that we use. Yeah. Um, and also the balls that we use, as well as for sure, want to give a shout out to GoldenTeaFan.com. You know, we walked through all the holes of last week's classic course of the week we didn't really give you guys a reference other than just playing the game but if you go online you can look at goldenteafan.com and kind of follow along uh, and so definitely go there and check out all the stuff that they've got yeah he, he's got a great setup on that page with a hole by hole breakdown literally pictures of every hole um, some of these holes have multiple tee boxes and multiple greens uh, he typically just has one up there so it may not be the same look that you get every time you're going to be playing this classic course of the week um, but the write-up, a lot of times, will make notes of that, you know, that, hey, this tee box and this green isn't located in the picture, but here are some other tips and tricks to play the hole. And I, and I played a couple played a couple on the Classic Course of the Week this week just to kind of make sure I remembered all the tees and all the greens, so hopefully I'll mention most of what we're going to run into this week. Uh, but let's, let's start off by talking about the new courses, at least the new course names and descriptions that were announced this week. Uh, we talked last week about Agave Ranch. That's a... It's an Arizona course. Uh, we think they're going to play around with a little bit of day versus night, sunset, kind of like uh, kind of like Royal Dubai this year. Um, as we go through these, you know, we, we only have a, a paragraph or two to go off of in terms of what IT has released. But you know, based on some of what they've said, I, I've also made note of some courses that I think that these sound like. So in this case, I think Agave Ranch sounds a little bit like Jackrabbit to me. Other than the fact that the, the day-night part obviously sounds like Royal Dubai, uh, but Jackrabbit sounds like, a, at least in terms of the layout and the, Layouts, the, yeah. the topography that we're going to find on the course, sounds a lot like it. Uh, the next one... You can say this one. Uh, Catidreas uh, is a uh, course on the Spanish coast. Uh, they describe it as a kind of a combo tropical slash canyon course. To me, that sounds a lot like either Timber Bay or Royal Cove. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Royal Cove, one of the hardest Golden Tee, I, I think the hardest Golden Tee course ever made, with a maybe a, a second, uh, a, a runner-up to Auburn Glen. Yeah, definitely uh, some folks might challenge you on that, but yeah, it's right up there, definitely in the top five. It's, uh, it's one of those courses that can just eat you to death. And then, uh, there's also been speculation once they were doing the announcements that this could possibly be the course with the design hole winner in it. Uh, you looked at the elevation change, and it kind of fits in that profile where it was uh, over a huge kind of climbing tower or mound uh, going to the green. So th- this is a course to potentially look for that design hole. And yeah. based off the design, I would think that that would probably be on the back nine of the course looking like a more challenging hole. Yeah, for sure. Just looking through, the the only other one would be uh, in a, well, the Pembroke course we'll talk about in a second. Uh, third course that they talked about, that they, re- they released the name of on Wednesday, was... Beals Creek, not to be confused with Danny Bell. Danny Bell. Right? He made sure to tell us it's not pronounced Beal or Beal. It's Danny Bell. So this is Beals Creek. 
Uh, it's a course that is based in Texas, um, Big Springs, Texas, which is like Western Texas, so kind of uh, ranch style. Uh, they describe it as a neighborhood course with lots of bunkers and creeks. So in that way, it obviously sounds a lot like Mayfield, yeah. right? Uh, you're going to be going through some neighborhoods. I think it'll be uh, it'll be like the rich neighborhood of Mayfield. Yeah. Mayfield's in kind of the uh, yeah. in the uh, in the uh, exurb with some regular houses and sounds like this is going to be big mansions that you might be going over or around yeah de- uh, definitely different demographics the the bunkers and creeks part of it made me think a little bit of bella bella's kind of obviously bella's not in bella's in italy not in texas but, yeah. but in terms of the creeks and just kind of the, the creeks winding through fairways the colors and stuff it, it reminded me of what bella might look like uh i like uh, bella a lot so that'd be that'd be cool yeah the next course that they released on Thursday was Pembroke Link, uh, Pembroke Links, located in South Wales. It's a uh, it's an English course. So in that way, so they they talk about it's going through some ancient ruins that might be in play. Uh, you've got uh, the tides coming in and out, which I thought was interesting. I, it's a, it's a concept that they did a lot of early on. So in like the two thousand, the first live courses, as well as I think the second year. We had water levels that varied, so I yeah. I always think of Cumberland. Cumberland is the course where sometimes lakes were there, sometimes they weren't, sometimes they were a lot smaller. Yeah, higher and, so and lower elevations. It'll be interesting to see if they play around with that. They they kind of went away from that concept. It'll be interesting to see if they bring that back. They specifically in the write up talk about the tides coming in and out, so I think that might be interesting. Um, as well as they talk about the bunkers, they say that the bunkers on this course are going to be some of the most uh, difficult bunkers that we've ever run into in Golden Tee. Yeah, get your lob Sounds wedge. Sounds like a lob wedge course or a flop wedge. Yeah. <laughs> it's a flop wedge course. Um, so obviously, you know, this reminds you a lot of other Lynx style courses that we'd find in, find in uh, Great Britain. Heather Point, I think, is probably the one that comes to mind. But the, the ancient ruins part reminded me a lot of Black Hills. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Black Hills doesn't specifically have ancient ruins, but I'm thinking of a few holes that definitely have some rocks that are sticking up and in your way. Yeah. Uh, hole eight, which is a drivable par four. Hole eleven, another drivable par four. The uh, I think hole thirteen, which is a really short drivable par four. There, there's a lot of rocks in your way on Black Hills. Uh, shout out, quick shout out to Black Hills. I've been saying this for years. <laughs> this is a great course. It was a great course back then. It was really difficult. Yeah. But with tees now, this was pre tees. You know, Black Hills didn't have tees back in the day. With tees. Extremely playable, really, really fun course. I keep hoping that they're going to bring it back for Classic Course of the Week. I think they're a little worried about the reaction because people have the idea in their head that Black Hills is just a crazy difficult course. Really tough, and it's yeah. still it, it's still not easy, but it, it's definitely way, way more playable than it was yeah. back in the day. And, and to a certain extent, more enjoyable. I, I know I had Absolutely. many rounds, whether you're playing in a tournament or playing someone one through five or just in a local bar tournament, where all of a sudden on Black Hills you're you're shooting high teens, low twenties, and it's just you, you just feel absolutely yeah, broken you're just by it. Dumping two strokes a hole, bang, bang, bang. But uh, the fifth and final course is called Sand Hill Woods. It's geographically it's in uh, Pine Bluff, North Carolina, uh, which is kind of sound. They make it sound like rural North Carolina. A lot of what they call tall pine trees. Uh, a new surface that we're going to be hitting off of you know we've got fairways we've got rough we've got high rough we've got rock we've got waist deep uh but uh at this point they're they're saying that there's gonna be a new surface called pine straw so it'll be interesting to see what that's like whether it's more like mud which can be extremely difficult to play off of or more like dirt 
which which is not particularly hard to play off of. It just takes a lot of distance off. Yeah, that's interesting. In terms of, uh, they said, they said the 18th hole might be the quote most curse word inducing hole in Golden Tee history. So we'll see what that looks like. Uh, in terms of what this course reminds me of, just based on the write-off, I would say Sequoia. Uh, big, tall pine trees. I think Sequoia is probably bigger and taller pine trees, but in, in a lot of ways, yeah. I think it, it might be pretty similar. So that's the, uh, that's the courses that they talked about this week. Over the next week or so, I think, I think they're going to follow the same, same cadence this week in terms of releasing images of each of these courses. Yeah, I think uh, Monday through Friday, I'm, I'm guessing they'd go in the same same order as they released a Monday course on Monday tomorrow in theory they might do the screenshots and I know during one of the Freaky Friday videos it sounded like Adam and his team were trying to start putting together the course trailers to get out in the next week or two to keep that anticipation building for these new courses we're kind of in the summer where folks are going on vacation kids are all at school and so forth so we're kind of we're kind of in that lull and, and the new courses kind of in, inject that passion back into folks and they start getting excited for these new releases. Oh. Yep. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to talk about that uh, next week. So last week uh, with the uh, the classic course of the week, we talked about some folks potentially changing their club sets over to the pyros. Uh, do yep. strictly a hole number seventeen where you have uh, some wedge situation, as opposed to having your standard one or two wedges. A pyro bag could give you four wedges. I'm not sure if anyone played off of that, but Tony and I kind of want to talk about. Uh, some of the clubs we use, uh, their pros and cons, and then also touch base a little bit on some of the balls we use. Um, I myself kind of mix it up depending on the course. Uh, I feel that some courses set up different and some clubs are more valuable than others. Uh, whether it's a 310 driver, whether it's a 290 driver, 3-wood, 4-wood, 5-wood, um, and then down to the 6-wood and 8-wood. I, uh, I tend to always have a gap wedge and lob wedge in my bag, uh, just probably because I'm more prone to get into trouble than some of these other guys and I feel like the lob wedge is a really use, useful club um, and also I use razors uh, I don't think they're the most popular obviously a lot of guys use streaks and I think the next after that would also be the grabbers I think those are probably the two main ones uh, but I, I tend to go with razors something about whether it's using bite or the backspin I just feel like it, it sets up better for my game yeah and I, in terms of the clubs that I use you know in I've got what I would call my standard set that I used on most that I use on most courses it's gonna. I'm not gonna have a lob wedge in that set. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start with a gap wedge. That's gonna be my shortest club. I'm gonna go to nine iron. Uh, the next. The next club up is one that I differ from a lot of people, and I get a little. Get a lot of shit for, <laughs> which is my nine hybrid, uh, which is a lot like an eight iron, but it just has a little bit more strength, and you can actually cut it a lot more into the wind. So that's just a club that I use that not a lot of other people use. From there, I go to a seven hybrid, a five hybrid. Uh, from there, I go up to a eight wood. So you got a little bit of a gap there between a, a five hybrid, which goes 170, 170 and an eight wood goes 195, depending on what balls you're playing. From there, I go back to a three hybrid. So there, it gives me a chance to either go high with that eight wood or lower with the three hybrid. Also, the three hybrid is a pretty good hole up club in terms of keeping it out of the wind. The Minnesota missiles the Minnesota we had talked missiles, about, yeah, yeah, doing uh, some sand sniping. The three hybrid's a fun club. And then uh, above the three hybrid, I, I jump up to a six wood, which is a bit of a gap, but the six wood is a little bit, uh, it doesn't quite go as far as it says it's going to, especially if you cut it, so you can take a lot of distance off the six wood. Then I go five wood, four wood, three wood, 290 driver, which is I think a, is a club that a lot of non-pros might not be super used to, they might not play it a lot. I think it's a super valuable club. 
it ends up you can cut it a lot more which helps you shape it around things uh, also you can really it helps you go far and high if you want to do a float in a high tee on a hole I think the 290 driver is super helpful and then a 310 driver in, the, in, in most cases I'm playing the nine and a half loft 310 driver uh, just a club I prefer uh, on on Mayfield specifically I changed that over to an eight and a half only because of hole um, hole eight helps me keep it under the under the trees on hole eight as well as uh, skip it'll skip off the water uh, as opposed to the nine and a half that will not always skip off the water yeah, I know the 290 driver, a lot of folks use that, whether I'd seen them posting YouTube videos or talking about, you know, Rhineland Hole, uh, the drivable par 5, and prior to the new tee boxes, I was really hesitant, you know, being kind of a long-term golden tee player. It was a club I'd never used, and I continuously saw folks sticking the green at a much higher percentage than I was with either a 3-wood or a driver. And to Tony's point, getting that cut on it, it, it curves a lot more. And when I first started using it, I was, I was pretty blown away by it and what you could do by it. it there's definitely some fun things to do with it. Uh, some of the new tee boxes have helped it where I don't feel like you need it as much, but I, I think on you know the par five on Rhineland's definitely valuable, as well as some others. It's also a, a fun club to slightly cut down, not do a full A1 or a C3, yep. um, but just in terms of playing around with the distance a little. But then using it with a high tee, that club goes. That that club can go like a standard 300 driver or 310 driver. Um, if you get a crosswind or a, a huge tailwind, that thing will definitely fly far. So, and then in terms of, so I that's kind of my standard set. In terms of the 2018 courses, the differences I talked about, you know, using the eight and a half degree driver on Mayfield, on um, on Mystic, I have a lob wedge instead of a four wood. On, on uh, Rhineland, I have a zero hybrid instead of a four wood. And, and why do you have the zero hybrid now? Uh, so really, it's it's almost exclusively because of hole eighteen. Uh, with I, the new tee boxes. Yeah, with the new tee boxes, hole eighteen. Sometimes I'll use it on hole sixteen. I mean, there's there's other places I'll use it, but it, it's in the bag because of hole eighteen, and and being able to you know do a load from the new tee box on the on the right hand side, being able to low tee that and just thumb it and have it kind of bounce a couple times on the concrete and hopefully trickle up onto the green uh, makes that hole, it can make that hole a lot easier and so that's why it's in my bag. Yeah, I've, I've switched over to that as well. Um, just seeing some of the success other folks have with it, I, I feel it's a must-have club. When you get down to crunch time, whether you're just playing locally with buddies or at a tournament and, and someone pulls that out and the accuracy and then the success they have with it, I think it's a must-have club for Rhineland. Yeah, and then in terms of the, the balls that I use, uh, for the most part, I use grabbers. You know, it's a, it's a build a ball based on grabbers. Um, you know, I think they're a lot like razors. I think they go just a tiny bit further. I think razors might cut just a tiny bit more. Um, so I've been playing grabbers for a while, and I, I I default to grabbers unless there's some reason why I would have to go with something else. Uh, the first the first half of this year in the old tee boxes, I would always switch over to streaks on Royal Dubai, uh, mostly because of hole one. You know, they, they you get another almost 10 yards on that, and if you can get on hole one, you're, you're getting a half a stroke on the field. Yeah. Uh, and then the other place that I change balls now is on Rhineland, I play the spinny balls, which not a lot of people do. Um, I started playing them in the, in the original tee boxes because hole one was a lot more drivable. Um, but also I've just gotten used to them. I think the downside of the spinny balls is that they do not go as far for straight shots. 
But on Rhineland, there's no straight shots where you really need distance. And so they, they help me get to places where I might not otherwise be able to in terms of hitting big cut shots. Uh, they, help, they help me occasionally drive the par five, hole five or six, whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, hole 15, the drivable par five, uh, is a lot easier with spinny balls. You can cut it a lot more, especially if you've got a wind that's blowing you from right to left. Helps quite a bit. Um, and and the uh, last year's design a hole, hole 11, uh, I think is a lot easier with the spinny balls. You, you can uh, take a lot more distance off with a high T6 wood or a high T5 wood. So that's just personal preference. Ooh, I don't know of a lot of other guys that play those. Um, a lot of other people play streaks on that course. Um, not really what I'm going for on that course, though. No, I, I, I agree. I haven't used those spinny balls, but a lot of times it's fun to watch you hit a shot if we're playing side-by-side side and uh, see what they do. We've uh, we've had some fun times. We're currently uh, down at the Burnsville Station here in Burnsville, Minnesota. It's got a lot of names. Banger Bunker, Fox Den, Foxhole. Uh, but right now right now we've got uh, Strobridge here, uh, Luke Nelson. Andy F. Andy also F. Man, Andrew F. Andrew F., also known as uh, Andy Fox, formerly the Flying Train and uh, Hooded Ninja. Uh, myself and Tony Johnson here. we got seven machines here. Uh, there has been some uh, work being done to the building, so hopefully we don't uh, catch any of that noise. Or uh, Strobridge's uh, Kesha Radio. He's a big fan of Kesha Radio. You should check it out. Uh, Kesha's coming into town. Yeah. $40 uh, general admission. Yeah, next week Next week at Mystic Lake. Uh, we also want to give a shout-out to uh, Dave's Ball Lube. Uh, Don Pescone kind of talked about It's our about sponsor that. this week. Yeah, th- this episode is brought to you by Dave's Ball Lube. Uh, as we keep trying to find more sponsors here for the podcast, we'll basically reach out to anyone and ask other folks to reach out to us to be a premier sponsor of this podcast. So this week, shout-out to Dave's Ball Lube. Dave's Ball Lube, fantastic. So uh, now for the moment, at least half of you have been waiting for. Uh, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are probably pros, and a lot of the, the ball and the club talk is can be a little bit repetitive, but I, I think it'll help some of the, the newer Golden Tee players learn a little bit about what we're talking about. But this week's classic course of the week is Bonnie Moore, and big shout-out to the guys at IT for letting us know that. Uh, hopefully we'll keep getting that information along the way and we'll be able to kind of tee up the course that will start to be available tonight at midnight. So this week is Bonnie Moore. It's a 2009 Golden Tee Live course. Personally, I think those are that's the best overall set of courses of any year. You've got some really great courses in there. They were great back then and, and, and they're even better now. So Bonnie Moore is one of them. That's going to be this week's Classic Course of the Week. You've also got Black Hills. Grant Savannah, Sunnywood, and Woodland Farm. Just a really nice set of courses. Some difficult, some not as difficult, but all really nice courses. This is pre-tease, so when these came out originally, that we did not have tease options. All we had was was a backspin and roll, and no tease. And so the cha- the courses have changed quite a bit since then. Tease didn't become available until the, until the 2011 courses. Um, so uh, the Bonnie Moore is, is a link, kind of a link style course. It's more like Northern Scotland, um, but known for large tee boxes, lots of tee boxes, and large greens. So this is quite a bit different than what we just got used to over the last week on on uh, on Palm Palm Springs, and uh, you know th- that was kind of small, one or two tee boxes, lots of par threes, um, 
So this course is pretty different from what we just gotten used to. Yeah, I, I think this will be a really fun week for players with Classic Course of the Week. I mean, it, it goes to Tony's point, the larger tee boxes, multiple tee boxes, and then the large greens. And we're going to talk a little bit about how large greens can actually help improve your game uh, by trying things where you don't have as many hazards on some of the holes. And uh, you can start trying to do some little cut shots and so forth, clubbing up, clubbing down, and trying some different things with that. Um, shout out to IT for bringing this back. I used to love Bonnie Moore. Uh, I think this course got a lot of gameplay that year. Obviously, I'm not privy to that data, but just going to the bar and seeing random people play, a lot of them would play this course. Obviously, it was a very scorable course. Uh, th there wasn't necessarily that many hazards on it. Um, that you could find and adding to the fact with the large greens it, it was just something where I know a lot of folks were either going for personal best or longest drives whether you might have a local bar attorney talking about a longest drive that this is a course where you got a shot this week um, if it's in the middle of a tournament for your local bar longest drive where you got some real opportunities to uh, take advantage of that yeah there's a there's a lot to like about this course uh, we all talked about you know we don't have the data uh, IT as the data. I wouldn't be surprised if this was like the highest percentage uh, course ever, you know, in terms of people that played it the year it was released and as well as classic course of the week play. I think a lot of people like this course a lot because it's extremely playable, it's fair, but it's also fun. So let's, uh, let's we're, we'll go hole by hole here. Um, and then along the way, we'll kind of talk about some concepts that, you know, that us uh, bangers and, and jobbers use in our daily gameplay but you know hopefully it'll help out some others in terms of thinking about some ways that they can get some more hole outs and or make make their lives easier on some kind of regular shots yeah with with holes you're struggling with i know uh, initially we'll get to it but hole 18 was one that really stuck out where the first month or two i i had issues where trying to cut the ball slight cuts my distances were off and, and we'll get to that but uh yeah this is a great course i'm really excited for it so hole one is uh is a pretty i'd say normal par four huge fairway huge green not drivable in theory if you got the very front of the tee box again it's gonna it's a big tee box and the pin was near the front you might it might be down to like 450 yards it's still not gonna be drivable but in theory you could get up there for a chip but in general it's gonna be a layup it's a two-shot par four and the the thing you want to do here at least the thing that I do that I think is helpful is with such a huge fairway you have the ability to line up the wind straight and so you know if on a hole like this I'm thinking I want to give myself the best possible chance for a hole out. And so if I can line up a dead straight wind, that gives me a pr pretty good chance, hopefully with a thumb shot. Um, and so you know, if, if I've got a, a wind that's slightly right to left, I'll make sure to go to the right-hand side of the fairway so that I'm approaching the pin almost dead straight. And conversely, if I've got a, a wind that's a little bit left to right, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to go on the left-hand side of the fairway. Yeah, and you, and you can also, on, on this, to Tony's point, a lot of times on this hole, if you're trying to line up with the wind, you can hit a A1 or a C3. But then you can also try to lay up uh, with the wind and kind of kind of play around with your clubs. If you're struggling with a certain club, you can try to lay back a little bit. And whether you palm, whether you thumb the ball, you can, number one, try to lay up to get that straight wind. But then also start practicing on your distances, whether it's using roll, release, bite, backspin. Uh, it's a good opportunity with how large the fairway is and then how large the green is yeah, to really you, experiment. When you've got a huge green like this and it's flat. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's no risk in going 30 feet by. No. You're still going to make that putt, so you might as well, you know, race it in there. There's not a lot of bunkers on this course that are going to give you an opportunity for what we talked about last week, which is the uh, the uh, missile missile or the sand sniper. But to a lesser extent, you can do the same thing out of the rough, and, and so you know, it's the same. It's a it's the same concept. 
uh, again, you're going to be hitting a lower loft club out of that, uh, which is going to give you a chance to run in at the hole a lot more effectively. So that's hole one. Uh, hole two, which is a, uh, a drivable par four, uh, used to be that this was, uh, this was the original use of the uh, play random tees glitch, right? So a uh, glitch from back in the day, fixed long ago. But uh, this hole with tees has gotten a lot easier. Almost yes. always reachable, not necessarily. Again, it's a huge tee box. It can it can play up to 450 yards, and in that case, it's probably not going to be reachable. But at least 75% of this tee box, you're going to be able to get to the green. Usually, it's going to be with like an A1 or a C3 type shot with a high tee. Uh, if you're if you're kind of in the first third of that tee box, you might be able to go straight at it. Yep. If you're at the very front of that tee box, you got to be careful because there's a wall there. So you want to make sure you don't slam into the wall. But for the most part, this is a almost always reachable par four at this point. Again, a big, flat green. Uh, just getting getting it anywhere on the green is what you want to do and, and make your flat putt. Yeah, with, with this uh, hole two obviously being the second hole into the course, you're not going to see many big wins, which is going to keep you from driving driving this green. You're not going to have a 14 headwind from right. you know 390 yards where you feel that it's shut down. Um, you, you should always have a really good opportunity to get this on the green or just off the green and having a flat putt or a flat chip right at it. Yep. Uh, hole three, which is a way downhill, kind of longish par three. And actually, when this course re was released in beta, you know, they, they tend to release the courses to a extremely small amount of machines about a month before the courses are released to the general public. To get that data and so yep. forth, yeah. And, you know, find glitches and stuff like that. And in this case, this used to be a par four. For that beta, it was a par four. Uh, they changed it for the regular release to a par three. It's a pretty long par three, way downhill. Um, really, what's what you want to make note of here is, since it's so far downhill, the the wind has a lot more effect. So whether it's a tailwind, you're probably going to have to account for a, you know playing one less club because of the, of a huge tailwind, or or a headwind, you might have to play one more or low tee it or something like that to make sure the wind doesn't affect it quite as much because it you know it it will. Yeah, and with and with the such such, such the dramatic drop of this green. Um, you can get big wins, you can get small wins on this hole, but when your ball comes in, it's coming down at, at such a you know, straight angle, it's literally dropping onto the green. If I recall right, I think this green is uh, up three, yeah, it's potentially. Yeah, three or four, yeah. And so your ball is not going to have that much action because it's literally coming straight down to the green. So if you have a favorable wind that's either dead straight or you know, dead straight into you or dead straight behind you, um, oftentimes you'll end up putting roll or bite or backspin or release on this to try to get some action at the hole as opposed to your ball hitting the green and not having much movement where it basically lands, it trickles a little bit, and it stops. Yeah, if anything, putting roll on this will just kind of make it end up where it landed a little bit. Yeah. Whereas normally if you put roll on a, a shot into a par three, you're going to be really gaining some speed and maybe going over the green or something. Uh, hole four, we've got our first par five here. Uh, it's it's a relatively short par five, but because of all the bunkers that are in play, there's just a whole bunch of bunkers in the middle of the fairway. Uh, it, in theory, you can go over those bunkers. I never really have, unless you've got just a big tailwind, you know, or if it's a daily and you've got a shot way up there. Uh, for the yeah. most part, I'm always laying. I'm I'm going to the fairway, but before the bunkers. Yeah, so, there's a little horizontal landing strip there that uh, kind of gives you some room to play with. I know when this initially came out, a lot of times this was either a three wood or a five wood hitting into that, and then tees can obviously play a factor in that as well now. Yeah, and and now, I think the thing that's changed for me on this hole, I'm still doing, I'm still going to the same spot. It might be a five or a four, or a three wood, but I'm putting bite on it instead of backspin, and the difference there is because 
bite, what happens sometimes with backspin is if it's going down a hill, it'll just kind of start to keep bouncing. Bounce, 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 bounce. The 20 bounce rule, yeah. And it's downhill into it these bunkers, going. and you don't want to be in those bunkers. Whereas with bite, that's not going to happen. And so I think bite is a smarter play on this. From there, you've got kind of a 220-ish yard shot, depending on where the pin is on the green. Uh, good chance for a three, in my case, a three hybrid missile. Yeah. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're looking at an eight wood or a six wood or something Yeah, it's, like it's a good hole out opportunity. I think the green is typically uh, up four, I want to say, and yeah, potentially like a left or right one breaker, depending on pin location. Uh, next up, we've got another par five. So we've got back-to-back par fives here. Uh, this one, pretty plain Jane par five. It's a big dog leg to the left. Almost always, I'm almost always hitting a C3 here. You know, you line you line up where you want the ball to end up. You turn one more to the right, and you hit a big C3. In theory, from the very back of the box, if you had a headwind, you might not be able to get to the fairway. But I think 95% of the time, at least, you're able to get to the fairway. Especially with the use of tees now. Yeah, yeah. And, and even if you end up in the rough just short of the fairway, it's still not a long enough shot where you're not going to be able to get to the green. It just might be a, you know, it might be a 290 driver or something as opposed to a 5-wood if you were in the fairway. So yeah. not a particularly hard par 5. Not not that bad of an opportunity for a hole out. Uh, hole six, which is a uh, drivable par four. Again, with the with the big tee box, we got quite a range of distances here. It can go anywhere from like 280 to 380 yards. Most of the time, it's going to go in between 310 and 340. It's downhill, so that helps a little bit. If you do get that 380 yard setup, uh, you are going downhill, so you'll be able, ho- hopefully still be able to get there. Uh, big green, I think it's a down three green, something like that. Um, not too hard of a hole, but just no. sometimes if you've got a 370 yard par three, par four, uh, can just be a little bit difficult because of the length. But you know, definitely an eagle hole for sure. Uh, hole seven is uh, a par three. Uh, I think this is a really good example of how bite has made things easier, especially as it relates to hole outs. So it's a it's a massive tee box. It winds all the way around this hole, essentially. Um, but it's almost always kind of a down five or a down six or a down four or green. And it used to be you had to make the decision where you're going to come in naked on it or were you going to play backspin. Yeah. So backspin <laughs> into a down six green is going to kind of just check and stop. Whereas running it naked, you might end up running over the green. Bite comes into play in that regard, where a bite is a this is almost like a, it's almost always a nine iron or an eight iron or a seven iron. If you come in with bite, it's gonna just kind of land and check and roll down the hill. Great opportunity for hole outs. I think of it a lot like um, rattlesnake hole eight. Yeah. It, you, you, it's a shortish club, you're coming in, you wanna roll at the hole, bite is a perfect option there. Yeah, having, having some action at the pin. Yep. Uh, hole eight is another par five. We've got three par fives on the front nine. A hole that has definitely gotten easier with tees. This used to be, along with hole nine, probably the two hardest holes on this course. Um, it used to be that sometimes you were almost undrivable in terms of getting there in two. With tees, it's made it a lot easier. There's still some setups where you could, where you could run into some trouble, but for the most part, you're going to be playing a, a big C3 probably or, or a straight high tee uh, past the gap in the fairway. The, the, the fairway narrows quite a bit. Bottlenecks, you, yeah. Yeah, bottlenecks. And, and it used to be that you had to sometimes kind of feed it through there. Um, not so much anymore with, with tees. For the most part, this is going to be a, a blasted up there and have 240 yards in. In theory, if you've got yourself a bad enough setup and you're worried about whether you can get through that bottleneck or in that bottleneck, you can blast it over to the left. From there, you're going to be in the rough, 
but you still might you might have a, a straighter shot and have like a you know 280 yards out of the rough, which is going to be a, a driver, a 290 a hard driver, driver yeah. it, which isn't the easiest shot, but it's better than flirting with that bottleneck. Yeah, you're, you're still giving yourself a chance. I, I know uh, during the original you know issue of this course when there weren't tees, trying to get up to that bottleneck, sometimes you might be a little too cro- a little too close to that you know tall fescue grass or whatever type of grass that is where the the game may give you a straight look at the green with a three wood or a driver or a five wood and it lines you up you're all set to go boom all of a sudden you you hit the grass so it's one of those things where if you are short of the bottleneck you have to pay attention to potentially hitting the grass this is one of those holes that does have that long grass that we'll talk about and and you're pretty much dead in there if you end up in that stuff there's a few holes on this course that i mean there's a lot of holes but this is the most one of the most in play uh, spots for that long grass you're better off just kind of hitting like a nine iron and almost chipping it out just to because you don't want to you don't want to end up there a second time you no. want to just get it out take your stroke it's penalty essentially and, and just get on with the hole yeah now over to hole nine uh one of my uh <laughs> one of my favorite holes but also to tony's point one of the hardest and probably most frustrating um there's such a variety on this tee box where there's a mound over to the right hand side uh the green is kind of a a wider but not very deep green uh, definitely wider than it is deep and there are times where you can have a straight thumb at this shot where it's a three wood four wood five wood uh, sometimes depending on the win I think I even hit an eight wood into it potentially yep. um, but there are also times where you can be on the far probably right third of the tee box and you have to hit a really really good cut shot where you're not necessarily trying to stick the green but you're trying to bounce it short where you get one or two bounces and it checks onto the green and, and you're leaving yourself a putt Yes, there's 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 two main tee boxes here. I think from the from the back tee box, um, for sure the left hand side of that tee box, it's it's a, a pretty straight look. From the right hand side of the back tee box, it's not a straight look, but you might be able to go over the top of that hill that Will talked about with a with a high tee five wood or a four wood or something like that. It's that it's that smallish front box that can be the real bear. Um, so you might be able to get over that with a <clears throat> excuse me high tee eight wood. <clears throat> You need uh, a beer, Jamie. Yeah, I need a sip of beer. We'll have to take a break after hole nine. Uh, get one at the turn. Um, there's some pretty exotic shots that have happened on this hole. Luke Nelson is famous. He's got two. Uh, he's got a, a YouTube shot of the week as well as one from way back in the day before they did the shot of the week, bouncing it off the hill. Intentionally. More, intentionally. That's a, that's more of a daily shot. Uh, that's not one that we would advise most people just trying for fun. Uh, although maybe if you could impress your friends, it might be worth it. But uh, for the most part, from that front box, you're going to be playing some sort of eight wood or seven wood cut around high tee, very difficult shot. Also interesting, <clears throat> this green, uh, unlike most greens in golden tee, has some runoff. Like the fringe, the fringe is not a fringe you want to putt out of. If you're in the fringe here, for the most part, unless you're on the top side, you're going to be chipping it because it, it it's kind of a runoff fringe. So that makes it even harder. Your your otherwise would come be. off different. Correct. <clears throat> right. So. Uh, at this point, we'll take a quick break while I get a sip of my beer, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the back nine. All right, uh, welcome back. Time for the, talking about the back nine. Uh, plenty of spon- sponsor p- space available here. Uh, we'd love to have a sponsor from, you know, Hap Track Balls or more more info from Dave's Ball Lube or, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll take anyone's money. Yeah. I mean, if they want to sponsor us, we'll talk about whatever they want to talk about. Yeah, Bush Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, uh, some of the more popular favorites, obviously. Fireball, Fireball. would be a good one. Yeah, s- s- send them on over. Make mention, make con- contact, and reach out to us. So let's uh, let's start in on uh, hole 10. 
Hole 10, for the most part, is a pretty normal par 4, not drivable, except occasionally <laughs> it, it is drivable, occasionally. Uh, it's probably a 1 out of 50 type shot. With this big, big tee box, if you get to the very front of it and you get a little bit of a tailwind, you can drive it. Like I said, I played a couple games on, on Bonnie the, uh, this morning to kind of warm up and, and remind myself of the course and all the tee boxes. One of my setups actually was drivable. I drove it, uh, had a little 20-footer, knocked it in for eagle. It's more of a one out of 50 type shot, but hey, it's, it was there this morning, so hopefully uh, some of the setups that we see over the course of the week will, will get us a, a drivable setup. Yeah, with uh, with this course being classic course of the week and then having the tees, um, I know we kind of talked about this. I, I think this would be really fun if you know someone was able to YouTube a hole-in-one on this. Yeah. I, 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 th- I think it presents a very rare opportunity, but... In terms of the volume of gameplay I anticipate this course getting this week, I think it's a very realistic possibility. When, and again, back on uh, com, there actually is a YouTube of Kevin Lindsay, actually. Really? Getting a hole-in-one on this hole. Shout out to Kevin Lindsay. Kevin Lindsay before Kevin Lindsay was Kevin Lindsay. <laughs> Mopping the floor and uh, Yeah, I think he was probably 17 years old and sneaking into bars at yeah, that point. Yeah, not, not legal to play for prizes, <laughs> but uh, I think the statute of limitations has ran out. Yeah, I won't, I won't report him if you don't. <laughs> uh, next up, we got hole 11, which is a drivable par 4. Lots and lots and lots of options here. We've got two greens. We've got two massive tee boxes, which are on complete opposite sides of the hole. Totally changed distances, yeah. You've got hills in the way sometimes. I mean, you, I mean this could be five different holes, and you wouldn't know any different. Uh, most of the time, it's going to be anywhere between kind of 250 yards and 350 yards. Uh, most of the time you're able to go straight at it, but occasionally one of the hills can get in your way. makes it a little bit more difficult. You might have to go either over it with a high tee or even around it, depending on the distance. Yeah, with a slight one or a C3. Yeah, yeah. Lots and lots of variety on this hole. It's a good hole. I really like it a lot. Uh, next up, we got hole 12, which is a par 5. Uh, there's a fairway on this hole, but I can't say I've ever been in it. I, I don't think I've ever gone for it either. <laughs> I think maybe the first time I tried to go in the fairway and I couldn't get to the green oh. in two, so I said, well, that's stupid. So uh, almost every single time I'm going, I'm taking a three wood or a 290 driver on top of the hill, which is you know maybe three or four clicks to the left. Yeah. From there, you've got yourself a five wood or a four wood. You're hitting out of the rough, so you gotta make, you got to you know, make note of that mm-hmm. with your spin coming in. Uh, and it's downhill, so the wind's going to affect a little bit more. But you're always able to get there. In theory, you could you could blast a an A1 or a C3, kind of down that same line, and almost run it down into the valley beyond get, that hill. Get a short wedge. And you'd have a much shorter. Before, yeah. yeah, you'd have a much shorter. But then you're you're playing around with. There's a couple bunkers down there, which can be real problematic. Yeah, and I and think so, some fescue grass as well. Yeah. So I'm almost always on top of that hill to the left. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty easy eagle hole from there. Yes. Uh, you know, with some with some big wind or a tough pin position, you might it might be a little tricky, but for the most part it's not such a not such a bad look. Uh hole 13 is our first par 3 on the back and it was probably at 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 the time the hole that had the biggest break in the green. I don't remember a green that had I think this gets up to at least 12, maybe 13 in terms of a, a break. I don't remember one before that that had even a higher break than that. Um, you know, it can be a really tough par three when you're talking about, you know, if you're coming straight down, there's a lot of tee boxes on this hole, so you've got a lot of variety. Mm-hmm. It can play short, it can play long. Most of the time it's going to be into a down, pretty big slope. Sometimes it's a big 
uh, left to right slope. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're going to end up a lot of times having some longer putts than you feel comfortable with. And big breaking putts. And big breaking putts. And one thing I, I for sure wanted to mention on this, I think this gives us the opportunity to talk about something that you, if you're watching a lot of live stream of live events, you might see some players do this. And for like a, in this case, you might have an up 12 putt. It says up 12. And, or, and, but it's not always exactly up 12. Just because it says up 12 doesn't mean there's not a little right to left break or left to right break. Correct. And so the way that a, a pro would check that is they would click one to the left and, and they'd like to see it say, you click one left, it's going to say right one. And you click one right and it's going to say left one. If you, if you see that, if you see it even on both sides, then you're going to get yourself a straight putt. A true putt. A true straight putt. Whereas, but if you click one to the left and it says a right two, and then you click one to the right and it says a left one, left zero, then you know you're going to have a little sneaky break in there. Yeah. And so for sure with like an up 12 putt, it's going to be a pretty slow putt. So it's going to take a little bit of that break. And so that's what a lot of the pros will do to make sure that they've got themselves a true putt. And if they don't have a true putt, then make sure they play it like a left half or not quite a left one but you know if you if you played a if it was a left half and you played it like a straight you might miss that putt yeah during the course of this week on, on this hole with a variety of tee boxes and, and grand now we have bite backspin roll and release um, you'll definitely get to play around with it but some of the wins as the winds start picking up on this back nine and midway through the back nine you're going to have a lot of cross winds that are either going with the slope of the green against the slope of the green you're going to have some pretty gnarly putts on this hole where you can have you know your up 10 up 11 up 12 up 13 and it also happens to break nine degrees to the left yeah. Um, so the old up nine, right nine. That's yeah, always fun. Yeah, so you'll you'll have some uh, decision making to do. Number one, in terms of the placement of your tee shot, and you're going to have to cut the ball a lot of times into this hole. Um, and with the cut, it's not just to get it close to the pin or by the pin. Um, you're also going to have the spin that can react into the green, where you can make it backspin up the green to help, uh, in some ways, basically take some of the break out of your putt to try to get you. A more straight putt, whether it's a straight downhill putt or a straight uphill putt. I know Tony kind of wanted to talk about rollovers with the green that slopes this much. You're definitely going to have rollovers come into play, and we can kind of talk about some of the tips and tricks to try to help avoid rollovers. Yep, well, uh, I'll catch that on the next part three because that is uh, hole 17 in that case is a definite rollover hole. This this is as well, uh, but hole 17 is uh, rollover central. So. Uh, <laughs> Next, we've got hole 14, which is a drivable par four. Uh, usually, kind of between, we've got uh, three tee boxes here. You know, you pretty not too much variety in terms of the direction you're coming in at the green. Usually, kind of a down six or a down seven. So it's always, almost always, going to be a backspin or bite type of shot. Usually, backspin because you're not too worried about pulling it. If you're hitting a three wood, you're not worried about pulling it off the front of the green. Snapping back too hard. Yeah. With a with with some backspin and and so. Uh, this green actually, or this hole hasn't changed too much with the advent of tees. There's no real reason to play a tee here unless you've got a huge, huge headwind or something like that. But for the most part, it's going to be kind of a normal, normal tee, five wood, four wood, three wood type of shot. Um, a tough hole, if, and and if you go long, uh, those bunkers behind the green are pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, with me, with my gap wedge as my highest loft club. Uh, it'd be a pretty hairy shot down there. Yeah. Definitely want to definitely want a lob wedge because of this hole. Uh, hole 15, which is kind of a normal par four. Uh, I call this hole the shocker. It's, it's got uh, it's got three fingers. Uh, you've got 
basically three bo- three tee boxes and three fairways. Uh, and in, in, in each one of those, they also have opportunities where some of the time, no matter what the tee box is, you're hitting either into the rough or into the fairway, um, kind of lining up some of the winds and angles that we talked about earlier with the slopes of the green. Yeah, this this hole used to give me more trouble than it probably will now in terms of, uh, I remember back in the day I was always playing hybrids. So I had a five hybrid, a four hybrid, a three hybrid, a two hybrid. Uh, so this hole, being that it's an uphill approach to the to the green, could sometimes pose some problems there. But now with the eight wood, not yeah. so much. So the eight wood helps quite a bit on this hole. Or you know, if you're a, if you're a seven wood guy or a nine wood guy, those help as well. So having that high lofted uh, wood is v- extremely helpful here. Uh, d- of the three tee boxes, if you're on the far left one, sometimes you can you can blast it up into the rough and you get a lot. You kind of get yourself halfway up the hill, yeah, so it's a, lo- a little bit more flat shot. And conversely, if you're on the far right-hand tee box, you can do the same thing: blast it up to the right, get yourself a little bit flatter uphill look to the to the green. But for the most part, if you're if you get yourself toward the end of the fairway, it's either going to be depending on where the pin is on the green. It's either going to be a you know a seven hybrid or an eight wood or something like that. Just make sure you get yourself enough loft to get over that fescue. That you do definitely do not want to be in on this. Yeah, depending on the tee box and uh, the pin location. I, I know there were times back in the day and in previous classic course of the week where your line might not be the best, and if you do shoot it up into the uh, into the rough, you, you are going to have a lofted club. But if the pin is tucked more towards the front, the fescue can come into play on this, where you might anticipate getting a slight trickle onto a, a pin that's tucked up front. And not having a club that's going to get out of the out of the rough as well, you can definitely hit that fescue just short of the green and have it stay short, uh, leaving yourself a chip instead of a putt. Also worth noting on that hole, given that it's an uphill approach shot, and, and this holds for any hole that you've got an uphill shot, the wind's going to affect it less. No matter if it's a headwind, tailwind, sidewind, uh, if you're hitting uphill, uh, you're, the wind is going to affect it less. So make sure to make note of that when you're deciding how far right or left to aim. Uh, hole 16, hide your women and children. Yeah, uh, and move your beers away from the and machine. And move your beers, yeah. This is, uh, this is our long drive opportunity. Yeah. So uh, I think, I, I wonder, I'd wonder. i be curious to know what percentage of people's career long drives have come on this hole. I would guess it's a relatively high percentage. Yeah, Except cool. for Paul Luna, who I think career long drive has like 450 yards. It's pretty pathetic. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I guess he's never played Bonnie Moore. Well, this, this is the week for you, Paul. <laughs> Come on, Paul. You can do it. Get to 480 like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, so so when you're all at the bars uh, playing this week on Bonnie Moore uh, and, and you've got some other machines there and you have, have your back turned to one, if you hear a, a glass shatter and hit the ground, it, it might be some big guy who just tried to hit a huge A1 or a huge C3 on this hole. Um, there's going to be long drive opportunities, and you're you're going to hear a lot of grunting, just like some of those big, strong guys in the gym. They want to grunt and let <laughs> everyone know how strong they are. There are going to be some big, strong guys at the Golden Tee Machine grunting out as they try to crank out an A1 on this hole. Yeah, and realistically, it's not even necessary, right? You don't know. You no, don't even need to hit an yeah. A1 or a C3 or whatever to get your distance. It's always fun to get some big drives. Yeah. Uh, you know, seeing it roll over 500 yards like a – you know, a few people, have, a few people have been able to do over over the years. The elite. This would be this would be the chance. <laughs> you find yourself a 16 tailwind and start riding it and get yourself a 500 yard drive. That'd be pretty good. But but realistically, uh, if you've got that big of a tailwind, you can just play it as a straight shot. Yeah. Uh, there's three tee boxes on this hole. The first two are almost always. You can almost always get to that kind of second fairway. From there, you're looking at kind of a 430 to 
or 430, 230 to 260 yard shot uh, into a, a pretty steep green down 10. With uh, a huge bunker in front of With them. a huge bunker. They, again, it's a gap wedge killer. You don't want a gap wedge to be in that bunker. You, uh, it's a good lob wedge. But but sometimes on this hole, from the tee box, you're going to find yourself where you don't think you can get to that second fairway. And sometimes you can't. Um, and so, but but being at the very end of the first fairway, but there's two bunkers down there. Being at the very end of that is not a problem either. Uh, it's still it's going to be a long shot in. It's going to be 310 to 330. But since it's so far downhill, you can still probably get there. And especially with that with that down 10 green, you can still even put some backspin on that and not worry about it sucking back up into that that death bunker in front. Okay. So uh, ultimately, have some fun on this hole this week. Yeah. Get yourself your career long drive. Don't break any fingers. Don't break any glasses. Um, but good yeah, it, 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 it'll be a really fun hole. You know, if you guys are listening to the podcast and you crank out a big drive, I mean, spend spend the fifty cents and YouTube it. You know, you'll you'll have it saved on YouTube uh, long after your days of walking this earth are over. Then uh, give us a shout out in the comments. You know, if you smashed your long drive by thirty yards, we'd love to hear that as well. Also, Paul Luna, if you get over four sixty, make sure to YouTube it. <laughs> I'll spend. I'll send you the fifty cents. He needs to play on the stream at the Powercade this week, so we can uh, all watch it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got uh, hole seventeen, which is a par three. A lot of variety on this hole. Uh, it's a it's a green that has ten break on it. Um, you can either. A lot of times, the look from straight on. So if you're looking at it like an up ten green, it's going to be a pretty short look, which can be difficult. So having a low T there can be very helpful. A low T eight iron, a low T nine iron. To, to you know keep it out of the wind and keep it running up that up 10 otherwise most of the time it's going to be either a right or a left 10 yeah so we're going to do what will talked about earlier which is maybe to, to cut it into that slope a little bit to, to try to you know Help alleviate a little up yeah, the hill. alleviate yeah. some of that up, up you know right or left 10 um, what I definitely wanted to talk about on this hole was rollovers um, this hole even more so than the green hole 13 yeah. Uh, which has even more break, a lot of rollovers on this hole. So you might find yourself above the hole, uh, and you might have a down 10, left 2, or something like that. Well, if you just straight putt that, it's probably going to roll over the hole. But the way a lot of us pros would play it is we would cut putt it. And, and so the way you do that is you either pull, you're essentially, you feel like you're hitting a, a, uh, a C2 or an A2. So you're cutting it at C. And you're not actually putting in a cut on the putt. The putts don't cut, but, but it slows it down. So yeah. if you did that on any putt, any putt that you full cut, it actually slows the putt down. So we, you do that sometimes if you've got a putt like 100 feet that might also roll over. Yeah, and you don't want a turbo. You might, yeah, you don't want that turbo putt. You might cut that as well. Same concept. It just slows the putt down a little bit. And in this case, uh, it will ho- hopefully help you not roll over. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's a very weird concept for uh, someone who probably doesn't have that much gameplay and, and, more, and is more of an entry-level player or mid-tier player uh, who hasn't been around that long. So if it's not something you're accustomed to doing, it's going to feel very weird. A lot of times you're told to hit, oh, if you want this shot to go straight, pull straight back, hit straight forward. So it's a very foreign concept to pull back to the C or pull back to the A and then hit forward. It definitely feels weird and takes uh, some getting used to. But as you see a reduction in the number of rollovers you have, it's it's a great asset and a great tool to help you save maybe you know a stroke or two strokes depending on whether you got water behind you or not. Yeah, and 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 we talked about it on this hole. It's a it's a down ten, so it's a it's a heavy rollover hole. I cut putt anything that's six or more. So anything that's a down six, down seven, down eight, nine, ten, whatever, uh, I'm cut putting that um, because 
in theory with grabbers and especially with streaks, uh, anything that's six or more has an opportunity to be a rollover. Yeah, very strong opportunity. So uh, closing out, we've got our last hole, hole 18. Uh, this is a YouTube special hole. If you look on yeah. Golden Tea, <laughs> GoldenTeaFan.com, there's about 10 exotic hole-outs here. Off, off umbrellas, the, off, off walls. Off walls, off the wall of the bunker. Yeah. There's all R- kinds of stuff. Ricocheting 87 so, degrees. So yeah. I, I predict that uh, next week's YouTube Shots of the Week contain at least one, probably more, shots from this hole. Um, all things equal, it's a relatively normal, drivable par four. Uh, probably the smallest green on the course. Um, you've got a, a, a sneaky little bunker that, that gets pretty close to that green, but, you, but you've got out of bounds just in front of the green. So there's kind of a wall right with in front of the green. Pool. With a swimming pool. Yeah. Uh, a lot of swimming pools in Scotland, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, there's a swimming pool there, this, this resort, apparently. But um, that's out of bounds. And so you don't want to be there. Long of the green, you've got yourself... Uh, it depends, depends on the tides a little bit, actually, yeah. now that we talk about tides. Uh, sometimes if you go over the green and down the hill, you stay dry. Other yeah. times you would be in the water. Uh, ultimately, you want to be on the green, and it's a down six or down seven green, so you're almost always going to have backspin. Usually kind of a, a five-wood, uh, four-wood, three-wood type of shot. Yeah, um, yeah th- this green is uh, obviously a, a lot more uh, horizontal than it is deep, so you, you have a, a much smaller you know, margin for error in terms of your distance control. Distance control at its finest comes into play on this hole. Um, you don't want to be short, I believe, short and left um, over that pool and the retaining wall there or uh, the little wall they put up there, I believe, are two bunkers right there. And then going long, Tony had talked about the lob wedge and gap wedge option. Um, a lob wedge is a nice club if you do happen to go long and you stay dry, or you can chip it back on as opposed to having that gap wedge where all of a sudden you start bringing the bunkers into play and you, and you really have to hone in your distance to try to save that birdie. Yeah, I think for for uh, for your average player and you know really your, your, your 22 to 25 under type of player, um, Lob wedge is a really good choice on this course. I'm not my bag is not going to have a lob wedge this week, uh, but some of these bunkers can be pretty dicey, and uh, certainly having a lob wedge will help you get out of some of them. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that'll be the podcast for the week. Uh, again, Pod More Get Better podcast. Talk about Golden Tea. Uh, like to thank Incredible Technologies for getting us the course of the week. Uh, appreciate that a lot. Uh, hopefully, we'll get the same thing next week. And we'll be able to get you a podcast on Sunday with a little bit of a preview of uh, the classic course of the week. Uh, not only what the course is, but also, also for some of you talking about each of the holes and, and how to best approach them. So yeah. thanks, Will, for uh, joining me down here at the Fox Den Banger Bunker Foxhole. Yeah. And uh, we'll uh, talk again next week. Thanks, everybody. Take care, guys.